The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. The Africa Business Report brought to you by NetBank Corporate and Investment Banking, partner with a bank that puts sustainability at its heart. See money differently, NetBank. Uh, let's talk to Diana Games this evening. Diana Games is the chief executive of the business consultancy Africa at Work. The bridge linking Zambia and Botswana over the Zambezi River. Finally, is it ready? Well, it has been a, a very long Oh, Diana Games, we've got a terrible connection to you this evening. Uh, let us see, Tikiso and Danae, whether or not we can get a better connection to Diana Games this evening. That's letting us down. Um, and we want to hear about the Kazangula Bridge linking Zambia and Botswana. It's over the Zambezi River uh, and ready to be officially commissioned. Five years of construction, two years of a schedule. But the idea is to reduce the transit time uh, for trucks. And I mean, I don't know if Zambia's got a truck problem like South Africa's got a truck problem. But my goodness me, somebody was showing me footage today from the area around. Uh, it's sort of, a, they came from the Kruger Park and the Eskom power stations and the big trucks carrying coal um, on the roads in, in that part of the world, in near Leidenberg, and just the destruction of roads. Goodness me, it's depressing. There is so much work to do on infrastructure. But we're going to spend all these hundreds of billions of rands worth of, of money on infrastructure just to simply keep driving the trucks on the road, the heavy trucks on the road. We just perpetuate the problem. But anyway, sorry, Diana Games, uh, tell me about the... Let's see if we can build a bridge telephonically so that you can tell us about the bridge across the Zambezi. Can you hear me okay now, Bruce? Clearly, crystal clear. Oh, great. Okay, well, this bridge is actually, it was sort of conceptualized. The planning began in 2005. This really speaks to how we talk a lot about needing more infrastructure in Africa, but actually it's it's a very long process and maybe longer than it needs to be in some cases. But they started planning in 2005, that's 15 years, um, and and started building in 2014. So, So that whole period with projects, there's often this long lag between just to get things going. So that's, you know, it's quite instructive and in why we don't have that much infrastructure in Africa. But um, so basically it was finished this year <coughs> and they're due to uh, commission the bridge officially. So after all this time, and it's an important piece of infrastructure because it's a very key link in a, in a major trade route. And that's basically um, on the North-South Corridor. And, and they've been relying on these ferries that go back and forth across the Zambezi River, which is which this bridge crosses between Botswana and Zambia, where they where, where these trucks would drive on, you know, the old-fashioned thing, a truck would drive on and it packs across the river and picks up another one, comes back the other way. So they were moving about 200 vehicles um, at best on a daily basis. Now they can actually, and truck drivers would sit for three days waiting to get on this pontoon, and now it can take them two or three hours to actually do the same crossing. And that's obviously a game changer for for cost of doing trade um, and, and uh, you know, the sort of moving goods around the continent. The, the problem is Zimbabwe has kind of been left out of the loop. And that is partly because the former president, Mugabe, didn't want Zimbabwe involved. And um, by the time the new president came in, Menangagwa, um, it was too late. The project was well underway. So the bridge is actually curved to avoid Zimbabwe, which meant they had to add on another three um, 300 meters, which cost a huge amount of money. So it will always stand as testament to Robert Mugabe's decision to not be part of that. And hopefully the bridge will be there for many years to come. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it's, it's such a game changer for, 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 you know, infrastructure is a game changer, as we know.
Who's paying for it, though? I mean, yeah, Zambia's got a, got a fiscal problem. Botswana is still in heavy lockdown. Zimbabwe, as a neighbor, um, is, you know, is not going to be making any contribution. So who's going to be funding it? Well, the governments did fund it. They've had support from um, various, um, like the African Development Bank, to do various studies and to do bits and pieces of it. So, but the, the but the governments themselves were were, were the big the main funders of this. They probably borrowed the money and probably going to owe it for the next twenty years. I'm not sure, but that's generally how it works. So, um, so they do have a. They've got very much skin in the game, as it were, to make this thing work. And it's a beautiful bridge. The problem in a way, is it's right in the middle of a sort of wildlife area. So um, it's, it's not really great to think you're in darkest Africa, sipping your gin and tonic, and then you see this rumbling of a great bridge in the background. But, um, so, so that, but, you know, this is all in the name of progress, I suppose. And then tell me about Zimbabwe, because the president, once again, talking up investment, talking about opportunities for Zimbabwe, talking about lifting of sanctions. I mean, has he got any hope in hell? You know, the sanctions issue just never seems to go away. He has a lot of support for this um, call to lift sanctions from SADC, from the AU, etc. And there's a kind of lot of argument about it. A lot of Zimbabweans have brushed it off saying the sanctions doesn't really, it's not making a difference to the economic crisis in the country, that the government is, is far more to blame than any sanctions would be for the state of the, the parlous state of the economy. But um, a lot of people are saying, well, let's lift them and expose them you know, for the fact that they don't have a plan and that they're not um, running this country properly and so on. So uh, trying to make it about sanctions, let's, let's, uh, let's call them on that and, and lift the sanctions. But then the other argument is, if you do that, you are you're basically, some people believe you're kind of rewarding them for poor governance. Because the, the, the criteria for lifting the sanctions are, are things like rule of law, property title, freedom of speech. Um, and and uh, these, these sanctions have been in place um, yeah, since about 2000 or so. So um, I think that they do affect it. Uh, the EU sanctions are not that bad. They're mostly against individuals. The American sanctions are quite a lot stronger. They relate to state-owned enterprises and, and, and some fund lines of funding to Zimbabwe. So it's, it's a complex thing. And you never get one answer from this about what the sanctions are, what harm they're causing, etc. But the government is determined whenever things are looking a little bleak, they are determined to push forward on this sanction story to cover a range of other ills and um, and this uh, this latest announcement was part of um, one the opening of parliament speech by President Monangagwa where he said that the economy would be in good shape if it wasn't for the sanctions um, and interestingly the, there was an incident today that he, he said that tourism and mining would pull the economy up and it's quite interesting that um, gold is one of the country's biggest export earners but thousands of kilograms are smuggled out of the country every year. So it's, just a, it's a huge problem. And today, um, a very polit- politically connected woman was arrested at the airport with six kilograms worth of gold bars on her. And uh, she's the head of the Zimbabwe Miners Federation, which is, um, covers uh, artisanal and small farmers. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, because um, sure. if they claim they're trying to fix the economy and they let her get away with that, she was caught red-handed, then we'll see. But, you know, these things happen. It's so interesting um, as uh, countries try to resurrect themselves after years of mismanagement and, and really shocking governance. But give me then, I mean, talking about uh, a country in trouble, Nigeria, all of the hope, all of the optimism in the world, uh, police abuses, human rights abuses happening in Nigeria. And amongst all of this, though, 
Um, business continues, and there is a company in Lagos called Paystack. It's a payments business, a fintech business. It's been it's been bought for two hundred million dollars. I mean, it's lovely to see that in amongst all of the political turmoil and all of the other hardships there, that there is still an appetite to do business on this continent. Well, I think, you know, this is why it's good to mention it because there has been a lot of turmoil and all of this. But what happens in Nigeria, a lot of stuff goes sort of parallel to all the political things that happen and, and, and so on. And Paystack, uh, Nigeria has become quite a hub for uh, fintech investment. You've got um, what, what what is generally considered the, the only unicorn at the moment is, is um, a, a Nigerian company called Interswitch, which has been valued at $1 billion and it has a 20% stake by Visa. And Paystack is another very much up and coming of these. It started by two young Nigerians um, in 2015. And within three years, they've raised $10 million to support the idea, which is a fairly simple one. It's solving the challenge of online payment transactions for local merchants to accept payments from around the world. And one of the people who, one of the companies that helped to raise um, on their, one of their fundraising rounds was Skype, which is one of those companies that you maybe never heard of, but they are, their products are everywhere with Amazon and Spotify and all of these. They're a big global company. And they led the financing round for, for this um, pay stack. And they then decided that they were so impressed with the company, they decided to buy it. And they're keeping the, the, the people, the founders on board because they really want to expand their Africa business. So they, so they gave them, well, they put $200 million worth of confidence into the African continent as a result. And they're looking at South Africa, this company. They've got 60,000 businesses in Nigeria and Ghana, business um, uh, customers. And, 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 and in a way, I like the story because it really reflects this is a kind of a new emerging Africa where the big, big companies like Tencent and uh, Visa, MasterCard, and many more are looking at, at four acquisitions in Africa. And these companies are moving quite quickly and, and really are the big disruptors maybe in the financial services space. Uh, not just in Nigeria, although Nigeria does have quite a few of them. But, um, you know, this is uh, the sort of next wave of investment in Africa, possibly. Diana Games, thank you. The Chief Executive of the Business Consultancy Africa at Work.